Good morning, church. Let's stand up. We're going to praise Jesus this morning. God, we just welcome you in this place. Come and have your way, Lord Jesus. So let our praise be your welcome. Let our songs be a sign. Because we are here for you. Oh, Jesus. Welcome, we welcome you. 
Good morning, Freedom Center Church. It is so good to be back with you guys again on this Sunday. I pray that you're having a phenomenal day. I wanted to start out and give you guys just a couple of quick things, but first I'm gonna invite you to share service today. Also comment below where you're watching from because we just wanna stay connected with everybody. We wanna know where we are reaching and who's watching and everything. So again, I hope you're having a great Sunday and that you will share this service. We have some great things getting ready to happen here at Freedom Center Church. First of all, Thursday night service will be happening again this upcoming Thursday night. We will offer elementary ministry again, weather permitting, and we need you to sign up for that as well as youth that will be happening and main service. I also wanna let you know that you cannot sign your elementary student up and then take off. You have to stay on the ground and be in service in order to put your kids in. That's just for insurance purposes, that's to make sure everybody's safe. So just know that if you're gonna bring your child, you guys need to be here as well. Um, and then youth is happening as well, 6.30 to 7.30-ish p.m. But you can sign up by uh, going to the link tree that's gonna be below in just a few minutes. Also, July 26th, so in one week, we are having a very special after-service party called What's Next? And that is going to be where we're going to graduate all of our students. So if you have a student that's been in preschool but is now going into first grade, we're gonna celebrate it that day. Or if you have a fifth grader that's going into sixth grade, you know, you're kind of getting the picture here, right? Even if you have a senior in high school who just graduated and they're going off to college, we wanna celebrate them as well. And then Pastor Les is coming back to baptize the kids that were prepared to be baptized. They were supposed to be baptized in March, but because of COVID, they didn't get to and we're gonna do it that day. And Pastor Les is taking a pie in the face that day. For those of you who know, it's a, a tradition around here for him to do that on fifth graders last day in his class as they graduate into sixth grade. You will need to register for that as well, but make sure that you get that on the calendar and get registered because we wanna celebrate all of your kids. That's going to happen at 11 a.m. on July 26th. We'll be outside on the patio, so you don't have to worry about being inside. And we are, again, going to strongly encourage you guys to wear masks, although they will not be required. We are just excited about the great things that have been happening here at Freedom Center Church. First of all, I wanna let you know the Wegan family grew by one since I saw you guys last. And we just wanna say congratulations to Pastor JD and Marissa who got married yesterday. Um, they're on their honeymoon today, but give them some love in the comments below. Tell them congrats and everything. And we're just so excited to welcome a new daughter to our family and excited to see what God has in store for them. So we are ready to receive this morning's offering. Just wanted to let you guys know that we have been able to continue to support many missionaries during this time. Um, we sent a Kingdom Builders crew down to interview one, and we're getting ready to watch that video in just a second. But I just wanted to thank you guys again personally for your generosity. Thank you for believing in the vision of Freedom Center Church to reach the lost at any cost that doesn't cost us our beliefs. And we're doing that through our mission of loving God, loving people, loving to serve. And you and your generosity plays a huge part in that. So thank you for that. Again, you can mail a check in if you would like to, to PO Box 52, Fenton, Michigan, 48430. You can also do donate online by following the link tree below, which is going to be freedomcenter.church forward slash links, where you can get any of the links that you need for today's services. So again, thank you. I look forward to being with you guys again next week. But until that time, I'm gonna pray for you and then we're gonna roll a Kingdom Builders video. So God, thank you this morning for who you are. Thank you for your generosity. God, thank you for just your faithfulness and getting all of us through these past couple of months. But God, we pray for just even more financial blessings on your sons and your daughters, that we would be able to reach your children who don't yet know you. And Father, we just thank you for Kingdom Builders. We thank you for all we've been able to do, Father. And we just pray right now, God, that just your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I thank you and I bless your sons and your daughters, bless their finances, bless their businesses, God. May you bless Freedom Center Church in all that we do. May we show you off well. And we just ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen.
My name is Randy Marin. Uh, my wife Mary Jane and I have been called to uh, show Middle Eastern refugees the love of Jesus. Uh, we have been involved in ministry uh, to refugees. Um, some 10 to 15,000 refugees have been resettled here in the metro Detroit area. And uh, God has called us to uh, show them his love and to bring the gospel to them. So we're standing here in a building that uh, we uh, recently purchased uh, through the help of Kingdom Builders. Uh, the monthly support that we receive um, from uh, individuals and churches that have a heart for Middle Eastern refugees has enabled us to purchase a building uh, in February of 2020 the Hope International Center, right here in the neighborhood where so many of the refugees are resettling, that we can be a light uh, in the darkness, we can show the love of Jesus um, to the refugees that resettle uh, in this area. And that is why our ministry is involved in expressing Christ's love to refugees through our ministries, through food distribution, through uh, helping refugees get set up in their homes with household items, beds, uh, dining room tables and chairs, and uh, furniture. Um, whatever the needs are that they have when they come, um, we show them Christ's love through meeting those needs, build relationship with them, and then introduce them to, to Jesus. And so uh, Kingdom Builders is import an important part of that in that they support uh, and supply uh, the finances and the prayer support uh, and the short-term missions teams that enable us to bring the gospel, the life-transforming gospel to people who are in desperate need. And um, we, we can't do it without you. And uh, we, we want to say thank you to the many individuals and partners and churches that have supported our work thus far in the last couple of years. Uh, it's been invaluable. Uh, it's been uh, miraculous. But through your giving at the same time in various parts of the world, you are there making a difference in the lives of people you might not meet this side of heaven. It's, it's a powerful, powerful thing, this teamwork that we have. So thank you. He is one of the dearest, like sweetest, most sincere people you'll ever meet in your life. I, he used to pastor in Metro Detroit, and uh, J.D. and I went down there to... Um, to preach that like a 70th anniversary of their church. They invited us to come down and speak. And so we spoke at a banquet Saturday night, went back on Sunday morning. And that's just him. He, he just has a passion for people. And uh, Faith saying, yeah, because she met him yesterday. Randy Marin. Just, matter of fact, Father, bless Randy, God. We, we give, we serve, but we pray in the name of Jesus, his broken heart for the refugees that are coming to our country. Some people don't want them here, God. But Randy sees it as the greatest uh, way to evangelize the Middle East that we're ever going to have in our lifetime. So we pray an anointing on him to lead souls to Jesus, away from lies and deception, God, and into the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Well, hi. Do you guys realize that, that what we're doing here right now is also what we're doing here on Sunday morning? So I want to greet everybody watching via live stream right here, right now, wherever you are. It's a great thing. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11. We're moving on. We've been studying verses 9 and 10 for the last, like, five weeks. You guys weren't even excited about that. I'm excited about that. By the way, I'm not done with verses 9 and 10, but my attention span is that of a guppy. So we are going to be moving a little bit farther ahead. Only took us five weeks, but here we are. Uh, but first, let's review. Chapter 6, verse 9. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, we talked about this, right? Hallowed be your name. Uh, and we talked about this being Jesus framing this event called prayer, this thing called prayer, this ministry called prayer within the, the confines of just the bigness of God. I gave you the illustration last week about seeing the Grand Canyon for the first time and the reaction that's universal when people see the bigness of that hole in the ground. It's just like, a, it's awe. It's like, wow, guys, look at this. And everybody leans to the right and the, the minivan almost goes off the road into the canyon because everybody wants to see. It's the same thing. We come to God. How, how many guys have experienced God? Can I see your hand? I've experienced God. Okay. How many guys, it's, but it's getting old. I, I just, I don't know. I've experienced it like, right? Nobody. Why? Because it, just like exploring the Grand Canyon around every turn, uh, from every vista, 
from every venue. I have literally sat on, on the, the edge of the canyon for hours throughout my life, not at one time because I, I don't have that attention span, but I've watched as the colors in the canyon change from sunrise through high noon. I mean, there's purples that come out in the evening. and just licking my vanilla ice cream cone with my feet hanging off a mile drop. How many of you guys know when you lick an ice cream cone and there's a mile between your feet and anything that's going to stop your feet, that's called faith and and just great joy, right? So I'm, I'm licking the cone, and all the colors are changing. When you approach God, how many of you guys know we're not just, all right, Father in heaven, help you, your name came to come, we'll be done. We're coming to God saying, wow. I have sung Amazing Grace. It's got to be 10,000 times. Still makes me cry. Don't know why. Can't explain it. But somehow on a song I've sung a 1,000 times, the freshness of who God is somehow touches me. Does that make sense? You're a worship leader, right? How many times have you sung the same song and then just kind of, Something happens. I don't know. It's just God can breathe fresh air on ancient thoughts. And so hallowed be his name. Amen. And then he goes on. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus continues to frame prayer with, with what God wants. Remember, we started this from the very beginning. Prayer is not about how to put my quarter in the vending machine and get the Twinkie. It's not about putting my, my quarter in the slot machine until eventually pulling that one-arm bandit. You know what I mean? Boom, there's a jackpot, and it comes out once every thousand prayers, something good happens. It's relational. God is relational. Everything in the kingdom. Anybody know the rest of that sentence? Everything in the kingdom flows out of relationship with the... Thank you, Pastor Jason. You get to keep your job. Everybody else is fired. All right, good. Yeah. So this is now... The, we're going to start shifting from here because... Uh, I, I'm almost hesitant to say that you're not going to like what comes next. But I will confess, I'm not going to like what comes next. Just being really honest with you, prayer for me so much has been this pursuit of understanding how to endue a circumstance or a situation with something miraculous. Someone I know is hurting. Someone I know is sick. Someone I know is dying. I don't want polite verbiage. I want heaven to come to earth. Does that make sense? So, but there's another part of prayer, and that is um, my goals, my dreams. Uh, and I'm using the wrong words here, but please understand what I'm trying to say. My ministry. How many of you guys know it, it should be his goals, his dreams, and his ministry? But stewarding those. And I, I, sometimes I find myself so content in the things that I've had or the things that I've done, and God challenges me to, to believe for more. And other times, I'm believing for more, and God challenges me to be content. How many of you guys know God's not schizophrenic, but I need, I need to be balanced? So tonight's teaching on prayer, this is not a teaching on prosperity. This is not, this is not a teaching on how to, how to starve to death and be happy about it. This is not saying faith is having much or faith is having little. This is simply saying this, that as we, as we kind of rotate into the one thing that Jesus said you should pray for, the one thing that we're in, his, in this specific teaching on prayer, he said this one thing is the thing that we, when we come to, before Almighty God, our Father in heaven who has a hallowed name, we want his kingdom to come, his will be done, and now it's time for us. And this is what we get to ask for. Now, please understand, I've already said it, I'm going to say it again, because this is like, oh, well, that sucks. Thanks, Pastor Jim, that was wonderful, you know. I, I don't think this is the totality, uh, this isn't all that, that Jesus' teaching on prayer is about. And certainly John has much to say, Peter has much to say, Moses has some stuff to say, uh, Paul has some stuff to say, and, and none of them are taking away from what Jesus has said. But remember the exercise. Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? All right, God's huge, his will is everything, now it's time for you. What do you guys, it isn't about what we want, he actually talks about what we need. And he, and he uses this phrase, daily bread. This is the only physical thing in this specific teaching on prayer that Jesus taught us to ask for. So why, why daily? How many guys would feel better if it was a cupboard full of this rather than one in my hand and I'm hungry and I can totally polish this off? Give me this and one of those lemonades that was at the front door and just leave me alone. I'd be, I'd be quite happy for the next 15 minutes and with crumbs and saliva, I, I will just... I'd be very happy about it. So, so why, why daily bread? And this is, this is where we get into theology. This is where we get into the King Jim Bible. But, but I, I think I have some valid thoughts. You guys want to hear them? All four of you, good. So this is for the four people that said yes, the rest. Just tune me out and watch Netflix on your phone. But this is, this is what I think. This is what I think is happening. It's a funny thing about food. It, it's an expendable fuel. It comes and it goes. Now, whether I run for the next six hours or I sleep for the next six hours, I'm burning this. And within just a matter of a few hours, I'm going to want more of this. And somehow Jesus attaches this to another need that is beyond this. It's something deeper inside of me. 
We're, we're not just a body, we're a soul and a spirit. And so we talk about daily bread. I, I you know, say, what is daily bread? Well, I, just, I think it's daily bread. I think it's food, but I think it's more than that. I think what he's getting at is not every day when you pray, ask God for food. You should wake up hungry and empty every day. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. I think he's saying this. There are basic needs, um, and there's this metaphor that they would understand because what they have today will not satisfy them tomorrow because it'll be gone. How many guys know? And again, please hear me. And this is just a quick exercise, and I know you're really hesitant to raise your hands for some reason. How many guys are hesitant just to raise your hands in public? Let me see. Okay, good. Thank you. That's most of you, and they're all leaders. So just, just for the sake of proving this, and, and those you're watching you know, via satellite out there in TV land, join with me. How many of you guys have ever been closer to God than you are, let's say, at, at this moment? I've been closer to God than this moment. How many of you guys have ever been felt farther away or drier in your spirit than you do at this moment? I, I felt farther away and drier. Okay, what's that mean? That means at one point I moved closer to him and I was satisfied. In other moments, whatever happened, and I wasn't satisfied. So, and that dissatisfaction, that coldness, that sense of distance, that, that callous, that whatever it is, reminds me, when, when I see where I used to be, when I know what it is to have one of these in my belly, and now it's gone, it, it makes me want to come back. That hunger, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, not just after bread, but after righteousness, the Bible says they will be filled. Now, but filled is not in the continual sense. It's actually an event. You'll be filled. But then what happens when you're filled with God? Well, we, we live in a world. We, we do this, we fight with this, we deal with that, we pray about these things, and then there's demons, and there's politicians, and there's, there's demons that are in politics, and there's social media, and there's, right? And, and it, it kind of, so we get hungry again. How many guys know? It isn't like the presence of God wanes, but there's something about being in his presence that we don't just walk away. I, I met Jesus, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit at third grade camp, and I've been on fire for God ever since, said almost no one ever. But we had that camp experience, that mission trip experience, that conference experience, that, that Sunday morning, Thursday night experience. Well, what happens on Monday? Well, life. On Tuesday, life. Is, is it, that God, if it that it wasn't real, it was just emotional? No. I, somebody say no. It's not. But what it is, is we, we, we go for it. Guys, remember on the day of Pentecost, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke with other tongues, preached the gospel, thousands saved. Now skip forward to, what, the next chapter? I think it's chapters four and five. They get arrested, persecuted, all that kind of stuff, and they pray, God, give us boldness, and God fills them with the Spirit again. Why? Was, was the day of Pentecost not sufficient for their blessing? No. It's that, that they've been imprisoned They've been beaten. They've been persecuted. It isn't thousands saying, yes, Jesus. Now it's thousands hiding from the Romans and the Jews. And they needed a fresh work in their life. They needed another day's worth of this. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? So daily bread, daily bread. And, and God's used the phrase daily bread or the example of daily bread all throughout Scripture. And again, as we talk about bread, remember we're probably not talking about just bread. We're talking about other things that happen in our lives as well. The refreshing, the, the fullness and the hunger and the process between the two. Um, God's people were enslaved for over 400 years, and that's awful. And in the midst of that, within just a few days, they're going to be free. They're going to be delivered from all the bondage of Egypt. So from generations, your daddy's 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 daddy was free, but no one else has been for all that time. They don't know how to weaponry. They don't know how to think. They don't know how to, they've been slaves for hundreds of years, and now they're about to be free. And it's interesting how God uses this to mold this for him. Look at this. In Exodus, um, oh, spiritually, physically, emotionally. I already said that. Good. Exodus chapter 16, verse 3. <laughs> it says this. The Israelites said to them, the Israelites are saying now to Moses, if only we died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. How many of you guys know you have to put a little wine in this story? If only we would have died. It's not that. If only we would have died. There we sat around pots of meat. Remember slavery? Remember how good it was? Like how stupid can you be? But literally, like they're scared. How many of you guys know scared people say scared things? Hurting people say hurtful things. Um, Hungry people say hungry things. Hungry people say hangry things. Can I get a witness, right? There we sat around pots of meat and we ate all the food we wanted. How many of you guys know their masters were manipulating them with the calories they needed? Like, like th that was a weapon. That pot of meat was a weapon to give them strength to do their master's bidding the next day. That wasn't a gift. That wasn't what free people get. That was fuel in the tractor to plow the field. And they're saying, remember the good old days when we could just, you know, belly up to the bar and get all the meat we wanted from pots? They had, they're, they're, they're longing for slavery 
because they're scared, right? And God's going to use this to get them free all the way. We ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly. How many guys know if I was Moses, be like, just kill them. Let's just, let's, it's just be so much easier. Give me like, you know, a wife and 40 sons, and we'll just do this all over again, right? The Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. And in this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. The test. I will test them with bread. Uh, you know that the bread was. It wasn't bread like this. It was uh, dew that fell on the ground. And then as the sun came up, it baked. And it was like little wafers. I, I, I picture it like uh, cornflakes. You know what I mean? Like little, it, it tastes like whatever mixed with honey and coriander seed. I don't know what coriander seed tastes like, but they're, they're nutritious little wafers. And the word, anybody know what the word manna means in Hebrew? It means, what the heck is that? Literally. I mean, it means, what is it? But you guys know what I'm saying. Like, and they're like, well, what do we call that? It's like, I don't know. But that's what they had to eat for 40 years. And what God was doing was this. Are you guys listening? If I can trust you to feed me every day, and by every night I'm out of food, the, next, the sun comes up the next day, and if God hasn't provided for me, I'm, I'm going to starve. But the next day there's food. But if God doesn't provide for me, the food's gone. And if God doesn't provide for me the next day, I'm going to starve. You wake up the next day, and it's there, and it's there, and it's there, and it's there, and he's there. And he, you see the difference? It's there is very different from he's there. It's there because he put it there for me. And, and as miraculous as, like, bread falling from heaven is, the, the, the accounting was perfect. I, we, we guesstimate somewhere around 3 million people. I say we as if I had anything to do with counting them. But I've heard smart people say 3 million people. So this is like cornflakes. This is like Battle Creek threw up. This is, this is everywhere cornflakes, right? And so they, and what's neat is when it was all done, when, if, if they didn't get it all, the sun, like it evaporated. It was, it was just gone. But they would take it, and everybody got like three pounds for the day, and they would mix it with stuff, and they would add things, and they'd, they'd make banana bread, and they'd make, you know, manna souffle and cream of manna soup for all I know. But they would, by the end of the day, it was all gone, and the next day they'd wake up, and he was there again. Part of becoming free, hear me, Part of becoming free, not just adopted and being legally a son or a daughter of the king, but part of becoming royalty in here is understanding when you wake up, no matter what you went to sleep without, in the morning he is there. In the morning he is there. In the morning he is there. Part of becoming, see, they couldn't take fortified cities filled with giants because they couldn't even trust God for bread. So God used a daily hunger to return them, so they would return to him over and over and over again until they learned to trust the one that dropped the bread from heaven. Can you imagine being born during that 40 years? You know, so what's normal for you? Well, I get up about six, I go grab three omers of cornflakes that fall from heaven every night because Jehovah Jireh is the one who provides for me. And it's not just Jehovah Jireh, it's Jehovah Sneaky teaching them to trust. And then all of a sudden you get to the promised land and all the gardens that the, the, the conquered peoples were there and, and, and suddenly it stops. Like what a weird, wonderful, beautiful way to live in the provision of a God who provides daily bread. But let me tell you this, guys. There's actually a danger in a guy named King Agur. Um, he's, you know, we think Solomon wrote all the Proverbs. He wrote some of them. Other people wrote them, but this King Agur, uh, whatever his name is, uh, listen to this, what he says about having too much and too little. This is his prayer. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Proverbs 30, verse 7. Do not refuse me before I die. Like, i got to have this, please. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Number one, I, I don't want to be around liars. I don't want to live lies. I, don't, I just keep it all so far from me that I can trust everything and everyone around me. Second thing is this. Um, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my what? Daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much, and disown the Lord and say, you know, I, who's the Lord? I, got, I don't need him. I, I got coverage of this stuff. Like if God cut off the heavens, I got 10 years of this stuff. I got, I got stylos full of stuff that I can grind into. I got servants. I got, he, just, he said, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that I have too much and I don't come back to him daily with hunger for my needs. I'm afraid that, that at some point in time I go, well, who is the Lord? I, I don't need God. Can I tell you something? When I go to third world countries where they have very little, it's shocking the amount of faith in God that the average person has. And when I go to the developed world, Europe, uh, parts of Africa, most of the United States, it's shocking how little faith they have. 
If I get sick, I go to a doctor. If I don't have money, somebody else pays for it. If I don't have food, I, I go see Bob and Jen. Bob and Jen give me food. I take it home. It's wonderful. I, I, we don't know how to live with, without sometimes. I'm not saying nobody has lack in America. But I am saying this. Those who have had to cultivate the faith to get this have more faith and less of this. Isn't that weird? And people that have this abundantly sometimes have no faith at all because who needs God? I'm a good person, you're a good person, all roads lead to heaven. And that's true, by the way. All roads do lead to God. The problem is some will be very disappointed when they meet him. But all roads do lead to God, just not to heaven. So let's just leave that alone and walk away. Okay, good. So another person, though, that talks about this is the Apostle Paul. It's a similar thing, and this is so cool. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, he says this, I have learned to be, what's that word? I may have ever heard a sermon on contentment. I mean, if you, we talked about it a little bit here and there, but it's kind of a rare thing. Let me ask you, by a show of hands, how many have heard in the last year a sermon on contentment? Let me see your hand. Okay. How many have heard uh, a sermon uh, anywhere else, I'm not, just, not just here, but on prosperity? Can I see your hand? Isn't that fascinating that like 20 people said prosperity, only one person said contentment, and I preached it here, and all of you should have raised your hands. But thanks anyway. You didn't remember that. What I'm trying to say, isn't it interesting, though, that, that we focus on one part of this equation. And this is what he says. I've learned a secret. There, there's something I know. I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to not have this. I know what it is to have so much of this that's coming out my nose. Look at this. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in want or living in plenty. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. How many get, do you guys know that Philippians 4.13, the refrigerator magnet scripture of all time, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Did you know he was talking about the strength to live without? He was talking about the strength to be hungry and not lose his faith. And he was talking about having so much but not forgetting that God is his provider. Like we're saying, I can do all things through Christ. He's not talking about benching 320. He's not talking about, you know, 10Xing your output for the next year. I'm not saying he's against those things. I am, because 320 would be very painful. I couldn't do it with my legs. And I'm envious. And I'll just be honest with you. But, but what I am, what he, when Paul says I can do all things through Christ, it's not a goal-setting mantra. He's saying I've learned a secret. Now, look at the two words, learned and secret. Learned means there is a process. And secret means it wasn't easy. When he figured out that contentment was actually a beautiful powerful position for his heart. He was surprised by it. I, I'm laying in a ditch. I got no food. I got beat up. They stripped me naked. I got, everybody's abandoned me. How I many of that's a bad day? He learned to have that bad day with Christ and could do all things through Christ. And then there was an offering that was taken for God's people in, in, in the, the Palestinian lands, the Israel and so forth, and they received it and all the Macedonian churches put together. And he's walking around like, like he's carrying bags of gold. And, and he never once was tempted to take that and kind of go on the lamb or stay in the nice hotel or you know, get the steak instead of the cheeseburger. He said, I, I've learned what it is to have this and be content. And I've learned what it is not even to have this and still be content. It, it took a long time. And I got beat a lot along the way, and I spent some nights in prison. I've been shipwrecked down the open sea. But what, what you might call a bad day and I might call a bad day may be two very different things, Paul would say. Because I have learned that whether I'm, I've been beaten in a Philippian jail, slated for execution, or I'm carrying bags of gold to feed God's people, Jesus is my daily bread. What Paul's saying is that Jesus is enough. Piano guy, join me, would you? Jesus is enough. Jesus is my daily bread. Give us this day Jesus. I, I want you to hear me because this, this part that's talking about bread is not the only time, certainly the Bible talks about bread, nor is it just Paul, nor is it just Agur and Proverbs, nor is it just, you know, in the Exodus. But this theme of hunger and coming back for more and then it being kind of worn down and coming back for more and then it kind of being used like calories would be used and coming back for more. This thought of, of hunger, this, this thought of thirst, this thought of more. Understand, when he's talking about bread, he's probably not talking about bread. Give us this day our daily bread. He's probably not just talking about the calories that we need to go into our mouth. 
I think what he's talking about is a daily understanding with contentment of our need for Almighty God involved in every circumstance, in every moment, in every day. If I don't eat during a day, it affects my day. If I don't eat for two days, it affects the day of everybody around me, (laughs) right? But a day without Jesus would affect my day. Two days without Jesus would probably affect the day of everybody on US 23. Why? Because, Because he waters me. Because he feeds me. Because without him, I'm lost. That he is divine. And I am the branch. And if I'm severed from divine, I'm, I'm not, I'm just good for nothing to be thrown out and burned. I'm just, I'm just dead without him. So tonight, I think what Jesus is talking about, he says it in John chapter 6, verse 35. This is later on in that same chapter. Then Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Comes is in the continual sense. Whoever comes and comes back and comes back and comes back will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. Did you know that in good times, oh, just pop my button. So much pride up here. Sorry. Right. Forgive me. I didn't mean to make anybody stumble on TV. I covered it back up again. Okay. Good. <laughs> what was I talking about? Oh, Jesus. That's right. I, I don't just want to start my day with a good devotion. Well, that's a wonderful way to start my day. I don't just start my day with, you know, the sun's coming up and the bulldog's snoring. And by the time I wake up, Dina's already long gone. She's exercised and she comes here and has her devotions. I wake up and get a cup of coffee and a, a big fat bulldog. And, you know, the birds are singing. I, I love that morning. But how many of you guys know that, that if I have breakfast during that same time, about four or five hours later, I get hungry for something called lunch. And, and I eat that. And I enjoy it. And about four or five hours later, I get hungry for something called dinner. I think that's what Jesus is talking about here. If you will come to me and keep coming to me, those places in your body, those places in your soul, and those places in your spirit will be satisfied. We had a, a dear friend, just a, a girl who was like a daughter to us. She suffered from a, a disorder where she would eat and then she'd throw it back up again to, to lose weight. And I was trying to understand. I said, just help me understand. I don't, I don't understand. I, like nothing feels better to me than being hungry and then meeting Mr. Cheeseburger and having a meeting of the minds. And you kind of sit back and you know, your, your shirt pops open and, you're, and you, you loosen the, the elastic stretchy pants and you, you know, I, it, they said maternity on them. I don't know what that means, but they fit really well, you know. That, you know, that nap after Thanksgiving, we sleep it off, but about like six hours later, you're hungry, and then you make the leftover sandwich, my sandwich, with the moist maker, with gravy in the middle, and the cranberry, the, right? I mean, it, it's the same thing, guys. Jesus is a feast. If we ate once a week, we'd be hangry and weak. If we drank once a week, we'd be dead. He's a feast. I am the bread of life. Come to me, you won't be hungry. Come to me, you won't be thirsty. I just encourage you. Like, I, I know this is teaching. I know this is theology. I know it's King Jim. I know it's the, but I think what Jesus is saying is the more you need me, the more I'm going to be there. And the less you need me, the less I'm going to be there. So I'm not trying to up the ante. If you've been doing 10 minutes, who will give me 12, 12. It'll be 14, 15 minutes, 15. Yes, we've changed. I don't think that's it. I, I think it's cultivating. Everybody say that word. It's, it's cultivating the presence of God in your life through something beautiful called prayer. Give us this day. But then Jesus says, guess who this is? <laughs> Later on in the same chapter, daily bread, but guess who the bread is? See the resemblance? That's what Jesus would say. Close your eyes. Father, I thank you that tonight it's time to make decisions. It's time to take action. The noun of teaching needs to be the verb of response. And I pray over everybody that's here, right here, right now, God. We need to make some decisions about daily bread. Some of us are dying from thirst. Some of us are starving. Some of us are like uh, spiritual bulimics. We, we feast and then we throw it back up again and get nothing out of it because we, we leave the room and it's done and we're done with it. We don't digest what we take in, God. I just, I see it. I'm not quite sure what to do about it, but I know that you're the solution to it. So I pray in the name of Jesus for just a deep 
rich, lasting Holy Spirit presence that is so satisfying that when we find ourselves without it, just like being hungry, we'll come back for more and more throughout the day, throughout the hour, throughout the week, throughout our lives, more. If you're here tonight, you're like, you know what, I, I just need more. Or in my life, there's room for more. Too much bread's called gluttony. Too much Jesus is called no such thing. But if you'd like more of the Holy Spirit, more of God's presence, more of who He is, you just raise both hands right now, just as a, just like when a child wants to be picked up, when someone with a gun in their face surrenders, just Father here with uplifted hands and uplifted hearts, we ask for more. Because you said in the very next chapter, same series of thoughts, asking to receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open to you. If we being evil know how to give good gifts to our kids, how much more will our Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for more? So God, we pray more. Say it with me right now. God, we pray for Let us learn what it is to have much. Let us learn what it is to have little. But be the much in our little and our much, we pray. If you're here tonight and you're just not right with God, Dina mentioned it, but somebody just beautifully out on the patio this last week came to Jesus. It was the highlight of my week just to, just to watch simple, beautiful, humble repentance and Jesus just come into this guy's life and the tears and the joy and the peace and I want that for you. If you're here tonight and you're just like God's a million miles away, I don't know him. I know of him, but I know of George Washington, but I, I don't know him. I know of Jesus, but I don't know him. How can I know him? It's, it's very simple. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord is going to be saved, will be saved here tonight you're not right with God now's your chance right here right now heads are bowed eyes are closed Jim I'm not right with God but I want to be and if you'll just remember me in your closing prayer man that'd mean the world to me I, I, I just this is an act of faith I'm going to raise my hand tonight just to say I need Jesus I'm coming to him I, I'm coming back to him I'm coming for more of him whatever that is if that's you would you raise your hand right now all over this room oh, I love this part of my life Father I thank you for the work you've done in our lives I pray you do so much more, more, more in that man's life, God, more in that man's life, more in that woman's life, God, more, 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 in Jesus' name, amen.